Welcome to Jungle Land, the leading Idaho State University sports podcast. I'm McLean Westbrook, and I'm joined by Gage Westbrook. Yes, sir, you are. As always. And this is a special occasion because in addition to Gage Westbrook, I'm joined by two Idaho State students here to give us their own perspective. I'm Franklin Spicer. Uh, I help run the student section. I'm spirit coordinator here at ISU. Uh, And I am Brendan Musch, and I am a... Jungle commit for 2024. <laughs> a future spirit coordinator. Let me see her Max Preps profile, bro. <laughs> and you know, it's it's been a little it's been a little awkward because for we released our last episode last Friday, and so it's been about three or four days since our last podcast episode. But now we've come back. Uh, it's, it's uh, I don't know. It's a little bit after I wanted to record the podcast as soon as possible this week because to keep that energy because we might have just seen the greatest ISU football game in our lives. Yeah, to be fair, if we did record it um, right after that game, you probably would have predicted us beating Alabama. So I would I would have said, hey, give us Georgia. We want Bama. We want Bama, Bama. dude. I was high. I was high on life after that game. That was. Uh, what are we calling it? Are we calling it? I would say possibly the greatest FCS comeback of all time. Are we absolutely I, in the modern times? I can't think of one bigger. I'm I'm sure there might be. I can't. I uh, I didn't look it up. I, I'm pretty sure at least that's the highest. That's the biggest comeback in ISU football history. Minimal Holt arena history. Are we call? I are we calling it the mini dome miracle? Mini dome miracle. What are we calling it? The Eagles flight wide right. What are we? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um. I was never. I'm not a big uh, game name guy. Like, I think you can name a play, but you can't really name a game. But it definitely deserves. It deserves the recognition of having a distinguished name. I don't have any. I don't have any suggestions. But um, just the the actual effort and grit, even d- being down by that many points, uh, you know, at home against. A, I mean, what looked to be a sparse crowd, aside from from a couple of very. Very enthusiastic students. Um, it's just it's is really a program building, program defining win when you can come back from that many points, and I think it's the sort of thing that really really sells you on what Coach Hawkins is trying to do with his team. Well, it's the same thing we've been talking about the entire season, and it's almost become like an old tired out talking point on the po- on the on the podcast here because we say it every week. But the whole thing about ISU football is that. For the last few seasons, they just haven't battled through adversity. Something bad will happen in a game, and they'll just close up shop. And so this season, we've seen a different ISU team. For against San Diego State, they didn't quit. Against Utah State, they allowed 44 points in one quarter, and they still came out and scored 14 points in the second half. Uh, against Northern Colorado, uh, Josh Alfred has that rundown of the defense. Um Against Montana, they hung in there against the Grizz at home in Missoula for homecoming. And then against... um Against Eastern, we spotted them 28 points and came back and won. You know, I would say that was almost the embodiment of that run, like run up and getting it from yeah. behind. It was almost the embodiment. That game was that play. Yeah, like, if, you, if you watch that play for three hours, that's what that game was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it it really solidifies the mantra of trusting the process and not betting on the results. It also it no, also don't worry about the results and just trust the process. Trust the work you're putting in now and the results will come. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to happen instantly. That doesn't mean we're going to be a, a playoff team this year. Um I know. I shocking mathematically to say, possible. Mathematically That's possible. All I'll say. <laughs> we're 2 and 1 in conference play right now, which looks I mean, 
you could have you could have told me that was going to happen, I would I would have told you you were a liar. Um, <laughs> but it's it's such a it's such a a moment you can build off of as a coaching staff and as a team um, to say, hey, even at your lowest point when you're down, you know, thirty five to seven, you still have a chance and you still need to put in the work. Um, and I think this would have been a win for the team if they, you know, lost by a couple scores, if they made it a close game. They would but, have had a moral victory. Hey, but maybe we don't do moral victory. Hey, anymore. and it, for a couple, a couple times there, the onside kick, that fourth and nine, and then the Eastern field goal there, it looked like it was about to be a moral victory instead of an actual victory. Yeah. But, but it's the embodiment of what Coach Hawkins said a few weeks ago, that at some the team's been improving, but at some point you want that proof to be in the pudding and you want a couple wins on there. I would even go to say, like, that was kind of a wake-up call for, like, the fans and viewers for the Big Sky. You know, like, Idaho State is actually in the game. We're a competitive team for the first time in a while. And, you know, really, really waking up that type of gameplay. Well, it's two weeks ago, Gage. You and I were up in Missoula. That Montana game happened. Awesome game to watch in person. Tough ending, heartbreaker ending for the Bengals. Uh, but rainy day in Missoula. We go up there after the game. We go up into the their skybox or whatever it is in their basketball stadium where they're holding the press conference. Coach Hawkins comes in. Cyrus Wallace and Calvin Pitcher all come in to the press conference, and they are ticked. They yeah. they have a lot of energy. They're like halfway between like screaming and anger and crying. And Calvin Pitcher says. We, we lost that game because of our own mistakes, and we've proven that we can compete with any team in the conference. And that's the real difference right now, I think, yeah. is that we might not be as good as other teams. We might not be better than other teams. We're not better than Eastern Washington, but we're going to fight and play against them. Yeah, we, can, we can beat them. We're we, not going to outperform them. We're not going to be better than them, but we can beat them. We're going we're gonna to make mistakes, but we're going to be a team that can overcome those mistakes. And, I, you know, I was worried about maybe uh, – a hangover, a bi week little hangover, and you know, I, I was checking the score, um, and I saw it when it was at like 35 7. I'm like, man, this is, I mean, after the effort this team had at, at Montana, I was a little disappointed. And then I, you know, I thought to myself, I was like, what if they, what, what if, if they, what if what they if? just, well, what if they just, come on, what if they just, you know, Frank can attest to this. I did bring up 28 to 3. <laughs> at halftime during that game. <laughs> well, well, the reason I have I uh, we invited Brendan and Frank here on the podcast. Gage, you mentioned you were looking at the score. So was I. Yeah. Uh, the fact is, Gage and I were not at this game, and so um, there's been a few games, like the away games, we haven't been at. But we needed we needed someone there. We needed a couple of guys that were there boots, in Holt Arena. Boots on the ground. A couple of a tell couple us, of young. Tell students us what was going on there, because from up. my perspective, here's how the game went. So I had a, a family personal emergency that was going on in Salt Lake City, and I needed. To to be there on Saturday, so there wasn't really any way for me to get to the game. And so I knew I was driving back around 4 or 5 that afternoon. And so before I'm leaving, I'm checking the score. It just kicked off. I'm like, okay, it's it's close there for a couple minutes into the first quarter. I'm not really paying too much attention to like the drives, so I'm just looking at the, the score that pops up when you Google the game. And, and so as I'm getting ready to leave Salt Lake City, suddenly Eastern scores. Eastern scores again. Eastern scores again, and it's like 21-0 at, at the uh, – it's 14-0 at the end of the first, and then it goes to 21-0. And I'm like, damn, that's that that's crazy. That's bad. Um, I'm like that – like Gage was saying, after the effort you saw against Montana, you think Eastern, who's not as high ranked as Montana, comes into Salt Lake – or comes into Pocatello. You think a home game for the Bengals, and they're not doing as good. Um, yeah, and 
I list, I was listening to the game on the radio for portions of it, and one thing I do have to say is that I I feed off the emotions of Scott Gross during these games. <laughs> if he's happy, I'm happy. If he's sad, I'm sad. If he's you know hopeful, I'm hopeful. So. Well, Scott Gross has been doing a great job announcing those games, and I found that out firsthand because I was driving out of Salt Lake. The traffic was bad for a little bit, so it took, I was I was trying to get into range of KISU. So I was trying to get out of Salt Lake and drive north as fast as possible within the speed limit, of course. Um, and so, so uh, I'm there in northern Utah, and and it's a couple miles before the border where it's like magic, like a scene from a movie where suddenly <laughs> the the radio station starts. You start hearing some, and it starts receivers on the 15. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm getting the game now. And so I start hearing Scott Gross. It it keeps cutting in and out. I go through, go across the border. I stop at CJ's Travel Stop. I will always remember CJ's Travel Stop and the oatmeal cream pie that I enjoyed there. Double-decker? Yes, of course, with a glass of milk. I'll always remember that because that's when Idaho State scores at the end of the third, and suddenly it's 41-21 going into the fourth quarter, and I think, hey, we might have a shot here. And so I'm driving back through southern Idaho to Pocatello, and I I go go by Malad, um, and the radio like cuts into like a Hispanic talk station, and then then it then I'm driving further north. It cuts back to the game. I go over Malad Summit, and finally I get crystal clear. I, I knew it was going to happen. Crystal clear audio of the game for the rest of the way, and I I just hear, I, I hear we score, we 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 score again. We get the onside kick. No, we didn't. There. They call it back on a flag. Uh, Eastern still has the ball. Suddenly, they're doing the onside kick again. Uh, we get the ball back. Jordan Cook's driving down the field. It's fourth and nine. There's no way we're going to make it. I'm like, oh, it was a good try, guys. But no way we're making this fourth and nine. We're Idaho State. We're not doing. We're not converting this. Fredrickson. Christian Fredrickson. Yeah, Fredrickson. Just hey, give the ball near Freddie, dude, and he'll make something happen. So we get the wild. ball at the one-yard line. Um, Hunter Hayes goes in for the score. Uh, they The announcers, uh, Scott Gross, uh, they were saying that it looked like Eastern let him score because there was literally no opposition. Oh, yeah. uh, looking back at the highlight, I don't know if that was true, but it I could see that because he and literally went in untouched. It's such a it's such a it's such a decision to make of whether or not if they let you score, should you score? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like this. Yes, emotional, I think Scott like, was saying he should have gone down at the one. Uh, Scott and his co-announcer. Um, I don't remember his name, unfortunately, but he was doing. He did a phenomenal job, um, so I apologize. But they were they were saying like, hey, if you go down to the one, you can take more time off the clock. But at the same time, you can't guarantee you're gonna score. So I don't mind either way. Um, you know, you gotta have confidence in your team. We either yeah. confidence that you'll get in the next three ties, or confidence mm-hmm. that your defense will be able to get a yeah. stop or make something happen. And so I know the I know the route from Salt Lake to Pocatello pretty well. I've driven that drive a couple times, and so I'm I'm in autopilot mode almost safely. Safely, I, I will say that there were, no one was in danger on the interstate. But that I was basically a, a straight line. I was down locked there. into this game, and so you have those. Those like canyons you go through past Income, the curve you go by for the Pebble Creek exit, and I'm I'm listening to Eastern. They get the ball back after Hunter Hayes scores. And hey, by the way, how cool was it to have Hunter Hayes score the the winning mm-hmm. touchdown there? Mm-hmm. That was a good game. That was special. Yeah. Both quarterbacks had a great game. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, Eastern's driving down, and I'm driving into Pocatello as Eastern has their last drive. And I'm I'm getting ready to take the exit into the Pocatello Creek Road exit because I'm going to work. I, I can't even enjoy this game afterwards. I have to immediately go to work. So Eastern drives down. I'm like, oh no, here here we go. Eastern 
drives the ball down the field into field goal range. The Bengals stop him on third down. It's like a 34, 39-yard field goal, and Scott Gross and the announcers are like, hey, you know, this isn't a gimme. Uh, and I just hear that Cody Hawkins calls a timeout to ice mm-hmm. the kicker. What I didn't know was that, because they didn't mention it, but the kicker kicked the ball, and it was good yep. through the uh-huh. uprights. But Cody Hawkins, being the football genius that he is, calls a timeout and ices the kicker. They go to re-kick, and I'm like, this is it. They, hey, great great game, Bengals. Uh, we came all the way back down from back down. 41-14, but, you know, no breaks for Idaho State. Uh, we our, All our luck ran out on that onside kick. There's no way they're missing this. Wide right. Win the game. Bengals take over on downs, run the clock out, and that's game over. As I'm pulling in to Pocatello, I'm screaming. I'm filming Snapchats to go into the, the group chat. I'm screaming my head off. And I immediately drive into work and have to not think about the game for the next three hours. <laughs> I also think that I think Cody Hawkins had another timeout left in the game, so he could have iced the kicker again, but he chose. Yeah. He, they, I, I don't know. You can't call two timeouts. They did mention that on the radio broadcast. I don't know if you're allowed to do that. They changed no. the rule this year. Did they? they? I, when I was looking up the new rules about halftime performances and whatnot, uh, I did notice that they did change the rule for multiple timeouts in a row. Interesting. So, so. It's now allowed or it isn't allowed? It, it, it used to be allowed in college, but oh, okay. in NFL, that was one change people – didn't know. Mm. I, know I, I was always under the impression you couldn't that. do that, and I don't. I don't necessarily think you should be able to, but I know that it's always interesting. Like when you call an, uh when you call that timeout to ice the kicker, but then the refs still allow the play to happen and give the kicker an extra rep. Like I always see that. I'm like, well, that's not that's not really fair. The play didn't happen, but then uh, then it was. It was a good thing that he called that timeout and the kicker got a rep. He probably well, got in his own head. It was just so crazy because I'm I'm losing my mind driving back from Salt Lake City listening to this game. And I keep saying to myself, I'm not going to pray over a football game. I'm not going to pray over a football game. But, man, I was it was the wildest thing. And it, it was literally like you could feel like – Team of destiny. It's like literally, literally anything can happen. Like ISU could do no wrong, and the the game, the highlights get a bunch of views. CBS posts about it. Uh, we there was that TikTok we watched earlier. That was that was funny. But as exciting as all of that was, and as it was a cool experience driving through Southern Idaho, beautiful drive from Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. sunset, listening to that game. Uh, it was very cool, very emotional in a way. Uh, for the football game and for personal reasons and all that. So it was a crazy experience. But I wasn't there. Yeah. I don't know what the atmosphere was like in Holt Arena. I don't know what was going on with the jungle student section. <laughs> so that's why I have my experts here. Franklin, Brendan. What happened there? From start to finish. You guys you guys get there for game day. You guys park in the Holt Arena parking lot. What are you expecting? Well, I'll tell you, right from the start, you know, they kicked off, and immediately Eastern Washington takes it in for the touchdown. And I was thinking to myself, maybe this is the ranked team that they found in the top 25. Yeah, the stats coach perform poll. Yes. Like, maybe maybe this is the ranked team. Maybe this is another Northern Iowa game. Uh, oh, it was getting flashbacks. <laughs> yes, lots it of flashbacks. It was the same score at halftime, or just around halftime, yes. as yeah. the Northern Iowa game was for mm-hmm. the final score. So, you know, I had that going through. 
the touchdown got reversed. You yeah, know, what, on a what, call. what exactly happened there? Because they had, did they kick off, a penalty happened, and then they kicked off again? I think it was a holding call before he received the ball mm-hmm. or something oh, okay. like that. And so they did redo the kickoff. Okay, I was a little um, bit confused about that. but you it, know. it was holding after he received it, so it just went back to where the holding happened and then 10 yards back. So, okay. Well, the, well, I was a little bit surprised because just keep an eye on the score like seven like a couple minutes into the game I'm like hey it's still 0-0 so it's they're not immediately running away with this thing but they almost did <laughs> they were they really were from the beginning like it really felt like a moral loss I know a lot of people <laughs> in the student section were automatically like it's over I mean we suck again well they're, so. like we talk about the players playing with confidence students and fans have not yet played with confidence or gone to games with confidence yet and they seem to be in this weird spot where they don't look at the final scores of the game. They just see an L on yeah, the on they the, see a on loss and say, that, oh, we're bad. One and four, but, oh, we're terrible. And I mean, like, I think you're always going to have that. That's just something that you need to improve in the win column if you want, like, fan support. Like, obviously, there's going to be, like, diehards that know the, the team a little bit in and out or are going to follow it. But there's also, you do have to win over, like, the casual fans because there's a lot of fans and students that don't really care about football, but they want to like support ISU or they want to go to games with their friends and stuff. And they're not really so inclined to do that if, oh, the team doesn't win. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily like they're casual fans, but I mean, you're talking about people with, uh, you know, jobs, lives. It's, it's hard. It's a, it's a tough ask to ask people to come out and support a team that's yeah. not winning football. Do you games. want to sit in the stands for three hours and watch us lose a game? It it was a Saturday, and there was yeah. a lot of other football going on, so I don't blame yeah. people for. Well, on that note, what was the atmosphere in Holt like? Because I know for homecoming, it was it was pretty decent crowd. What was it like for the start of that um, game? There was around six thousand fans. As soon as Eastern took it down for that touchdown, it was very quiet. We we they had a lot of good highlights. A lot of really good players, and from the beginning, the kind of uh, you know feeling around the stadium and everything was very, very, very low. You yeah, know? not a very good atmosphere. Uh, usual ISU things going on around. You know, a lot of people leaving, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, what, what do you have to say? Well, to be fair, they were making show-stopping plays. I mean, number seven was like flying all over the end zone, catching passes. Number 17 was, I mean, phenomenal that game. Um, oh, uh, they, Efton Chisholm the third. They were talking about him on the radio broadcast. For Eastern, unstoppable. He, he had was flying. 13 receptions, 161 yards, two touchdowns. According to the stats on Google, which are not always reliable, but he had a, a crazy performance for Eastern. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he was flying all over the place, and their quarterback throwing really good balls most of the game. They seemed unstoppable for the first half, really. And that's when uh, a lot of people started leaving when it got to, what was it, I think, probably 35-7 to seven at half. Yeah, uh, well, it was 35-7. Idaho State scores. Because I, I see that 35-7, yeah. and I think my phone, when I'm refreshing the score with data in Salt Lake, it's not reliable. So it said 35-7 and a half, and then I refresh and it says 35-14 going into halftime. I'm like, hey, at least we scored. Yeah. No, and that's we're that, still down twenty one. Yeah, we were down a lot, and I mean at that point, twenty twenty eight. Yeah, everybody leaves. I mean, I feel like I got up, went to the bathroom, came back, and everybody was gone. I was asking where people were at. I mean, yeah. uh, I think official game attendance game attendance was like around six thousand, but definitely closer to four thousand. Well, yeah, there's definitely the all. There's always, and we've talked about it on the show before. There's always a disparity 
Well, not always, but most of the time there's a disparity between official game attendance and what actually who's actually there. <clears throat> um, so I and just based on kind of history, the past, you had that game against Northern Iowa, you had that Utah State game. Yeah, we beat Northern Colorado, but we never really trailed in that game. So okay. when when fans look up and see, oh, it's 35-14 at half, I might have better things to do with my Saturday <laughs> afternoon. I can understand that. And there's a lot of there's a lot of history behind that. These last couple of years have been tough for Bengal football. And so fans are are like the, I, uh, someone said about um, someone said about last year that fans had uh, PTSD. They they were shell shocked, and so it's it's tough to to have that kind of faith in the team. I, I hate to say it, but it can be tough to have that faith in the team when you haven't seen something to warrant it. Mm. And so, second half, whole different story. Yeah. Well, um, starting starting with the second half, we 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 had that vibe. You know, Northern Iowa again. Uh, but we, we kept on pulling through, you know, cheering when it was the appropriate time to cheer and everything. But as soon as we started scoring, uh, you know, maybe not immediately, but we, we started cheering, getting louder. Maybe we're in this, you know, we've seen USC lose to Stanford, like 28 points overtime win. And so we were thinking, we were thinking that, you know, uh, I thought personally garbage time touchdowns. Yeah. Until I look up and I see the score is 35 and 41. And I'm like, I'm losing. I'm losing myself. I'm going crazy. All 10 of us. All the student section was on the rails. And we were going off the rails. Like, literally, we were going crazy. Every Gosh. time a crazy play happened, we, we absolutely just And I mean, ourselves. I think the point for me in which I started gaining hope wasn't really like the score. It was watching one play. Uh, it was a pass to Fredrickson yes. off the sideline, and he just grinded for an extra like eight there yards with so three men on top of him. You look back at the highlights of this game. There were so many like mind-boggling plays that happened for both teams. Like Eastern had this pass that like bounced off a guy, and the receiver caught it. Uh, there was so like Chaden James is literally superhuman. Um, yeah. Crazy. I've been banging the Chaden James drum. He had a monster game. Yes. Crazy run down the sideline. Should have been counted as a touchdown. Yeah, Unfortunately, they it out got the off one. at the one. But yeah. I think I think that was a big play that changed the environment around Holt. Um, but yeah, absolutely, Fredrickson play was phenomenal. Fourth and nine, clutched up. You know, at that, the one yard line. I just I just didn't see us converting that. I'm like, oh, we we took a loss. We we got some extra yardage, but it's fourth down and nine. It's do or die right here. I think there was a hope. So in the stands <clears throat> at the time when that play happened, I think at least for me. Looking at everybody in the student section, we almost had a feeling at this yeah. point. Like the goal, well, the, the the football gods were were shining that's, on us. That's where like momentum like, and atmosphere comes in, and it's like I can start believing in superstition at that point, where it's like <laughs> yeah. literally we can't go wrong at this point. It's like everything yeah. we do just works. If you get to the point where you're, you know, thirty-five to seven, forty-one, fourteen. And all of a sudden it's 41-35. Oh yeah, we're just gonna win this game. Well, it's like when it's like it's like you mentioned twenty eight three when Tom Brady and the Patriots were coming back against the Atlanta Falcons. It was like once you're down by one touchdown, it's like obviously they're gonna win this game. There's no way they don't win this game after coming back from Unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah. But but for the Bengals, it was at that point I I I wasn't there for the for the inside hold, but 
at, at that point, it's like, why wouldn't we score this if we've already come this far? You know, at that point, there was probably, I think me and Frank estimated, maybe 2,500 fans in the stands. I mean, people were leaving pretty consistently, and you can yeah. see it. Well, because we, we really, the <sighs> defense and the offense both really stepped up in the second half. But if you look at the score... It's still only 41-21 in the in entering the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I, I looked at that score at CJ's Travel Stop. I said, for, I saw the graphic on Twitter that they posted. I said 41-21 going into the fourth. There's a chance there. And if you we're not we're only down by 20, not 21. If we score three touchdowns, we only need to kick the extra point to win by one. So there's a shot, but I can see fans still filing out of the stadium and being like, eh, good try, good try, boys. Nice, nice job, team. But not our night. Um, I'm going to knock off early and try to beat traffic on the way out. <laughs> well, as Franklin said, I mean, we just thought it was garbage time at that point. I so mean, what, why did you guys stick around? What's, what's the thought process behind that? Are you guys just having fun? Hardcore Bengal fandom. Daddy <laughs> Hawkins, <laughs> Let Him Cook, Hunter Hayes. I'm absolutely crazy for these guys. <laughs> uh, we had the signs. Ah, you, you guys had the we, we were we were really holding up the signs and everything, and we were trying to get people involved as much yeah. as we could. Because you guys love you guys love football. I do. Yeah, you guys have been football fans your whole life, and so like that's the coolest part about coming to like a school like Idaho State is like you you're a, you're a college football fan your whole life, and you go into Holt Arena and it's like that guy I have a class next to I sit next to him that guy I saw on campus the other day and like you're sitting there in the student section like. Literally on top of the football team with the dugout, dugout benches, and you're like, this is the college football atmosphere. Yeah, and so that's tough when you when you see the team lose for a couple seasons like that, but then you have moments like these. Yeah, yeah. and I, I I have to commend the follow through on the part of the diehard students because when you when you bang the ISU drum and you say, hey, we're ISU, you know, we're we're fans of this team through and through, you know, and uh, to follow through when you're down 35-7 and still come back out when it's uh, the start of the third quarter is just you don't see a lot of that commitment from a lot of fans um, throughout the country. So maybe we just grow them different here. So Success we, feels a lot greater when you've been through the worst times. Yeah, and at two and four we haven't even been that successful yet, but it feels yeah. so good the way we won. I like, be to, like I like to not say two and four, but two and one in conference play. That two sounds and one a lot in conference better. Play exactly. Uh, tied for sixth in the conference right now, but so what was that onside kick like? Oh, so. disappointing at first. <laughs> yes, we thought the run ended right there. We were like, well, we had a great run. It's going to be a moral victory for us. We brought it back. We made him. We made him shiver a little bit. But I mean, Frank, you also thought it was that too. Yeah. As soon as as soon as uh, Hayes ran it in for the final touchdown. It was a lot of people say the loudest they've ever heard Holt was when Josh Josh Alford ran down and you know punched yeah, when the ball they, out. When they had that replay and everyone exploded <laughs> with the, the possible 2500 3000 fans there it was so it was deafening loud. Like it was yeah. the loudest I've ever heard that stadium cuz oh, so there's there's the onside kick and it yeah. doesn't go 10 yards Eastern picks it up. But there's a blindside block for mm -hmm. almost no reason. Uh, Eagle just lays out a bangle. Yeah. So they did get, like, off that onside kick, they did pick it up and return it maybe 15 yards. Yes. Yeah. And so they're at, like, the bingle 30 at that point. Yeah. 
the kick wasn't far enough. It was probably like eight yards. Yeah, and, and there so was we con- I was like trying to figure out what was going on, and so was the people. So were our boys up in the broadcasts on the radio because it was confusing because you had that onside kick. Eastern recovers. They they run it back for to the thirty yard line. Then you get that late penalty comes in, and so they're like, oh well. That's a 15-yard penalty or whatever. And so back up Eastern, they still have the ball. And well, then the it, refs come back in and say, no, 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 we're re-kicking. I yeah, because it, it happened before the recovery for E-dubs. Before any player touched it, that blindside block happened. So that's why they 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 take it back. Um, they, they re-kick it. So, again, the only explanation is that the football gods possessed that Eastern player to commit a penalty and give <laughs> us the ball back. Well— I mean, just before that, like backing up just maybe like 10 seconds, I mean, me and Frank and at least I think four other people in the student section were saying, we have three timeouts. Uh, our defense has been holding yeah, them. We you still thinking, got a shot. We were thinking, kick it. Like, well, no, yeah, that, that, kick, was a, that was a kick. conversation too. And it was like, you got to run the analytics. And, and they said in the announcer on the radio, they were like, they got to do an onside kick. And I was like, well, you don't have to. And so, well, and, but that's something they, they mentioned on the broadcast is most of the EW drives that they were holding them on ended like in the middle of the field at the 50. So if they kicked the onside, the defense, like they were going to end up at the 50 anyway. And if you're going to hold them, like you can still hold them at the 50, call your three timeouts. Maybe you lose on field position. That's some analytics type stuff right there. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think that the decision to kick on side was always a pretty sound one. Um, it's just, so it's a lot easier to get that when you get two chances. Well, at also it. on that first onside attempt, they had Ross Bolger come out and, and attempt the onside. It doesn't go 10 yards. Ross Bolger, great kicker. Not a lot of American football, not a lot of onside kicks in his time. So mm-hmm. then they have Copcho come out. For the second attempt, which I love that I love that play by Coach uh, well, Coach Hawkins. The the guts to call the onside in the first place yeah. are tough, and then the guts to go back to it and call it again when they know darn well that you're about to do and another then, onside. And kick. then use the other kicker that did not get a rep, did not just get a live game rep to kick it, and then try it again. I, Gutsy football. And let me tell you, the atmosphere after recovering that onside kick. I mean, I could not. I think uh, I, I couldn't see. Like, <laughs> electric. Yeah, I think that's the point. You go, oh, it's over. We won. Yeah, yeah. no, we, we were going crazy. And it was, I think, um, what's crazy is we. I don't think there was a doubt in our mind, like at least on the sideline at that moment, that we wouldn't get the touchdown, just with how much momentum was going on, and just everybody was feeling the atmosphere. That final drive was crazy. Um, so that's that's that fourth and nine. We hit Cook, Jordan Cook. Cannot say enough about Jordan Cook. Honestly, both quarterbacks this game had a great game. Um, and again, I really feel like we have two number one quarterbacks on our roster. Either one of them could win us games. Yeah, well, this wasn't even like this wasn't even necessarily a return to the two quarterback system. I don't know. It was it was a lot more even and a lot more like split like we're used to, besides that Montana game. So Jordan Cook still took the vast majority of, of uh passing attempts at thirty nine attempts. Which I mean that that kind of tracks. Hunter Hayes had sixteen attempts. Yeah. Um, high efficiency, had one interception though. But he did have a touchdown on the ground yeah. and one touchdown in the air. But Coach Hawkins said during after the Montana game, we knew we weren't gonna be able to run the mm-hmm. ball. And so that's why we used Jordan Cook. And now this game um, obviously the the situation changes, so I don't think it's something like 
I don't think Coach Hawkins ever really planned to not use you know, two quarterbacks Co- throughout the season. Cody has never came out and said, we are uh, we are running the two-quarterback system every game. We are going to have Jordan Cook take so many snaps, and then Hunter Hayes is going to come in and take so many snaps. I think he's using these guys very situationally, and so it just kind of works out that this is the, the percentage of snaps that we see. Jordan Cook, 389 yards in this game. Uh, Hunter Hayes, of his own right, 134. Um, so just they both they both had had a great game and they both threw one interception, which is an improvement I'd say. Well, I would say that also the two quarterback system was ran great this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, arguably how a two quarterback system should be ran. You keep you keep one quarterback in for majority of the snaps, and then you have your running quarterback come in every once in a while and to take a couple. And and I agree, and I think that's that's different about this. The way we are playing this or using our quarterbacks, it does not. We're not running two quarterbacks as a competition to see who's the better quarterback. Yeah. It's we're what, running two quarterbacks to win the game. <laughs> yeah, it's what quarterback can do what. Like they have different skill sets, they excel at different things, and when we need this package or this is the situation, if we're backed up or if we're in the goal line or the red zone, this is what we need. These are the skills we need. Or if we're in the middle of the field, if we need a big completion, um, if we need to, you know, if we need to make a play that way, if we need to throw outside the numbers, or if we need to get a throw over the middle on a on a seam or a post, like it's it's two different quarterbacks and their style is different, and Coach Hawkins is maximizing that. And in I these think games. that's where we see less mistakes made by Cook and Hayes is because they're not being asked to do something that they're filling in for each other. Like, if Cook is not as good of a runner as Hayes, and Hayes is not as good of a, a pure pa- pocket kind of guy as Cook. And so they are they don't make as many mistakes because they're having each other make up for kind of their own yeah. shortcomings. They do the things they're good at, and they don't do the things that they don't so, necessarily do as well. To get back to the game, Fredrickson gets that first down on the one-yard line. Yeah. What's going on? Uh, we, I mean, we were still nervous, obviously. It's fourth and nine. I mean— Fourth and nine for the game. We are nervous, but almost in our mind. It's ball game right here. Yeah, it's ball game. We're like, either way, we had a good run, but we're nervous. But there's really no doubt in like almost any of our minds. We're like, Hawkins has something. Like there's something coming out. <laughs> and it was throw it to Fredrickson. Um, but just get the ball to Freddie. And yeah. he wasn't even like that open on that play. Oh, no. But you just got to get it to your guy. <laughs> That's a man who can make a contested catch. Uh, and we've seen Freddie do that all season is being able to go up and beat someone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, with with him catching on the one, uh, that was a good thing, too. The yeah. the him catching on the one took some time off the clock rather than giving on the yeah, ball with. That's right. Even more time well, to get down. The that field. was the craziest part about that drive was that for a while there, besides that, that down where you have to convert. We were in control. Oh, yeah. We were able, it was, we need to milk the clock so they don't have an opportunity to go in the game. <laughs> yeah. And that is not a position I'm used to being in for ISU. And what's crazy is we were moving efficiently. We are getting 30-yard chunk plays most of the time. And so that fourth and nine uh, really stemmed from the fact that we were trying to milk the clock. Uh, and we ran two times in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we throw like a little little dump off to the running back. Doesn't get very far. And that leads to a fourth and nine. But Fredrickson was... Clutch and Cook mm-hmm. knew his man and knew who to get it to, and right to Fredrickson, right and right on the numbers, and he caught it. So, 
Uh, it's like the it's like the playing basketball <clears throat> when there's two seconds left on the clock. Get it to your three point guy and let him make a shot. Mm-hmm. The o- the only play is to get it to that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And hit him on the in- inbounds pass and just let it fly. Is uh, yeah. And and Frank can attest to this. I mean, once that play happened, blurs. I mean, we were moshing. All twelve of us were being very loud, and uh, you know, I think us. In the, that atmosphere, it was kind of uh, – it was new, especially for ISU. Very, very electric, like I said. Loudest I've ever heard Holt in I've, my life. And I've been to quite a few football games, college football games, and, uh, you know, I don't think I've ever experienced something specifically as hype as that moment. <laughs> I've been in extremely close football games, but that one, even though there was less people and the atmosphere might not have, like, everybody there – uh, there might have just been less. Uh, the atmosphere was so crazy because, I mean, we're used to just not getting those types of plays. We're not used to – like you said. Well, we're used to not being in those situations not, to begin not, with. We never get a break. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, get, catching that break, uh, two breaks in a row really, uh, was pretty insane. I mean, Frank – It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's nothing else – there's no good words that I can use to explain how – electric the environment was uh that's an understatement yeah honestly because it, w- it was like a jump from zero to a hundred and the dopamine rush like i i didn't know what to do i i started <laughs> jumping around I, I i literally ran from one section to another section like almost crying we were almost we were almost crying like <laughs> yeah, I, I was so, like if we win this game we're crying so they convert that hunter hayes gets the ball he runs in the win what ends up being the winning touchdown and i think that's awesome that like Hayes yeah, kind of gets yeah. the opportunity. He's a selfless player. He does. He's never complained. I don't think about anything. Um, Hawkins said in his post game interview uh, when Jordan Cook's birthday was the other day. Uh, they had a birthday card for Cook to sign, and the guy that walked up to it first and wrote in the biggest letters, "I love Jordan Cook," was Hunter Hayes. That's great. So just no no bad blood between those guys. So for Hayes to get that was was just a just really cool. Then Eastern gets the ball back. And yeah. and this reminded me of a football game I was at earlier this year. Yeah, I went to that one. Yeah, well. it was a disappointing football game for the home team. Was this was this um it was a Boise State. Was this the Boise State game? <laughs> Boise State. Yes. We have a we have a couple of Boise State fans <laughs> in the studio right now. Um, and every like great thing you say about it, I don't I like think there's a pleasure. negative thing to say about Boise State. I like to think of them as future former Boise State fans. <laughs> sure, sure. Um Hey, Air Force, though. <laughs> uh, we don't so, talk about that. So Eastern gets the ball back, and it's it's like like I was like I was saying, it's like here we go again. Eastern, they're they're driving the ball down the field, and it's like oh, we we still we're the Bengals, we still can't catch a break. You know, we we were following them yeah. all the way down the field. Right? We as a student <laughs> section were following. walked all the way, uh, like ran all the way across. I'm surprised there was enough room for the field. Of you. Just, yeah. To be there and be loud. It was it was a loud stadium. Everybody was yelling. Actually, it was kind of packed on the railing. Yeah. I mean, people mm-hmm. were up on the rails. Well, at and that that's point, I, there's not a lot of people around, and what it's I, a free-for-all. Really. What I wish more people would do at Idaho State games <laughs> is filter down because there's always so many empty seats mm-hmm. that if we just filtered everybody down and kind of a little bit more towards the middle, we could still generate a lot of noise. So, oh, yeah. I mean, it was loud. And, I mean, once they drove down— they started driving down, and we were being as loud as possible, you know, holding up third down signs and pooper cup signs. But <laughs> um, we uh, we get down the field, and there's a dude 
who like big beard, like cape, like a staff. Yeah. He was running down. He's like, all right, guys, you got to get a miss that or what was it? Miss that kick? Block, block the kick. Block that chant going on. Yeah. yeah. Block yeah. The kick. And so this was I love after, that beard actually. again with the staff. <laughs> yeah. Just Gandalf appears out of nowhere to guide yeah, out. Like a, yeah. That's the wizardry. Like a... <laughs> there's magic going on because there's yeah. a literal wizard in the crowd. Huh? <laughs> And, uh, well, this was actually after they missed the f- or they hit the first one, but the timeout was yeah. called. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're driving down the field, and I'm like, you see, I'm all over again. But we, uh, you know, th- the football gods shine down on us, and uh, we're following him down. It's loud. And, I mean, for 2,000 fans— it got loud. The I number mean, keeps going lower each time you mention I, it. It's <laughs> twenty. It was between two thousand and three thousand. But you know, I like to make us seem louder than we were. But uh, I've been to games with thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven thousand people, and that was probably the most electric environment I've ever been to. Well, that's the the most like unique electric game. You've yeah. Tried. Like, because you can you can talk all you want about how many people are in the stands, but if it's like a blowout or something, if it's not that exciting of a game. It's not going to be that exciting of an atmosphere. If it's the team's coming back down from 41-14. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I mean, Frank was there. <laughs> you know, he, uh, he, we were, you know, I don't even know what was going on <laughs> at that point. I honestly thought it was a dream. Like, I, I didn't know where I was. Every time a crazy <laughs> play happened, I, like, had to wake up after celebrating for He's 30 seconds of minutes. You know, just I didn't, blacks out. Huh? It was back. truly a mosh pit. I don't remember what happened. We might have been spiked. I don't know. So so there it is. Game on the line. This is it. Ball game right here. Eastern's lineup for this kick. And they make it. And they make it. That's it. Great great job, everyone. (laughs) Hey, time to pack it in. We were we were loud too. Were you expecting did you kind of figure Hawkins was gonna call timeout to Isom? Yeah, as soon as he as soon as he made it, I was like, Hawkins called the timeout. There's no way. There's no way, right? He iced the kicker. Yeah. That's standard. So what was what was the crowd reaction? Were they kind of also did they also realize, oh, that's probably a nice kick or um I mean, as soon as the kick happens, everyone goes quiet to see uh (laughs) as soon as soon as as soon as a the timeout call the the crowd's all like a cannon like that. <laughs> like yeah, and then we all got really loud again. Um yeah. probably the biggest, like the longest play that I've ever witnessed in person. It felt, it, it like felt forever. Long. It felt long. Like we were just sitting was, there waiting You watched it in slow motion. Waiting happen. them for to like to line up and everything. You know, block the kick chant goes on, you know, everybody's so loud. Um kicks it, silent crowd. We thought I thought he made it. Yeah. I genuinely no, thought we've talked about before the angle the goalposts are at and everything, and there's the video board. It's really hard to tell if if so if a kicker makes a kick or not in Holt Arena. Yeah. We look, also just the weirdest goalposts of all time. We do. I don't. I don't like them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, convinced, I'm convinced it's impossible um, to miss in there. Twitter user mm. Twitter user South Sharman at South Sharman. Uh, she she posted this video on on Twitter. Of in the crowd, it's the it's the the final kick there. Mm-hmm. And what I like most about it is I can clearly see you two <laughs> the, in the front of the crowd there, opposite and, um, side of the student section. Like you said, <laughs> that the it is loud. It is a loud, raucous atmosphere. Mm-hmm. As soon as Eastern's kicker touches the ball with his foot, it goes dead silent in there, and yeah. it is it is absolutely quiet. Everyone's watching, and even the even the TV announcers. When you go back and look at the highlights on the broadcast, they don't they didn't recognize whether or not it was good or not 
at first either. So they wait a second. They look for the ref signal. They signal no good, and it erupts in there. We oh, were, yeah. We were, we were looking for that ref signal, too. As soon as I saw their arms cross... I completely lost it. I started jumping around. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. I, I probably ran. was crying. Yeah, we ran. We ran all the way to the other end to rush the all 25 of us to rush the field. <laughs> rush the field is weak, but the experience no, you, was... There's no way you're not rushing. There could be yeah, two of no you. Way. There's no way you're not rushing the field after that. <laughs> Dude, we, we, was, should, we should have been Tennessee still the goalpost that's hanging I, from the You'd have to get on a little down. pyramid to try to it take was, him down. It was, it was wild. You know, we heard the announcer, <sighs> why, right? It was... I mean, oh my God! That announcer, the announcer at the game, the made PA it too. Announcer, yeah. yeah, the PA announcer, he was screaming. He was jumping well, up and down. At that point, he's he's just as big a fan of everyone. So whenever <laughs> Idaho State gets the first down, he's like, "Let's go!" So yeah. that is just that is uh that is awesome. Those and Mountain America Credit Union first downs hit hard, man. Yeah, dude. Hey, if me listening to the game on the radio and not being there is what caused this, I'll do it every week if I, I have to. I'm shaking just I, thinking about. I think that was the funniest. <laughs> crazy. I think that was the funniest video. I think I've. I think you sent me McLean was I see you like I don't know how this game's gonna go <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping it goes good and then you're just screaming in the camera <laughs> the for half a second, second. Yeah. it's all blurry that was great oh, Absolutely man. I don't wild. know there's I don't know what else you can say about that. Like we just talked about that game for forty five minutes. And, and I can talk on. about it yeah, forever. Yeah, you could go on. We I could have a whole podcast only about that one game. Emotions in that video. Crazy. You could see me take off my shirt. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> the that was the funniest part. It's like, oh, there's Brendan with his shirt <laughs> waving it I around was his head. Man, bro. You know? Muscle he was, man from regular shows. I, I cry every time I watch that video. Like it is, I, I literally oh, it is goosebumps up. when you go back and watch <sighs> the the game highlights oh, yeah. and when you hear the onside kick call and the no good call from Dylan Carter on the ESPN Plus goosebumps. I mean, I I've as a Boise State fan, I've watched the 2007 Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> I got that thing like memorized religiously and the the Statue of Liberty at the end. I get goosebumps from that. I mean, that video like makes me feel even better. That's that's the game it's you tell crazy. your grandkids that you were at. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and I'm like one out of 2500 well, people in existence to get to witness that live. Yeah. Uh, Franklin and I, we were walking in Walmart the other day, and this we were walking. We were, we were both wearing ISU shirts, and uh, this older gentleman wearing a BYU hat. He he he. Uh, we walked by me. He's like, "You guys were at the game on Saturday," and he was like, "Well, Franklin was," and he's like, "Yeah, me and my wife left during the third quarter," <laughs> and so we talked to him for a second about it. But that was great. The craziest part about that was in the five years I've lived here, in the five ISU football seasons I've seen. I think that's the first time I've ever had any like strangers just cold approach me in public and ask about the game or whatever. Yeah. Somebody, somebody asked about the game. They're that's the crazy. talk of the town. <laughs> it's about time. It's and one of my favorite things. It still is. As like a, being able to live in a community that cares about a sports team is you can just have those conversations with people, even in the weirdest uh, weirdest times. Like I, I went to a Colorado Rockies game uh, with McLean actually, um, and coming out of the game, my car got got hit and uh, the driver the other driver ran or whatever so I went down to the police station to um, to go report it and I was wearing my Rockies hat and the, the cop taking the report was like oh you go to the game and we're and we're just talking about the game and it's such a great thing for a community to have a team people can rally around and talk about outside of Saturdays well that's something that we've kind of missed the last few seasons with with the the one win seasons hey Side note, Cody Hawkins has already doubled our win total from last year. Uh, but that's something we've missed is that you guys talk about um, fans showing up when there's a good competitive football team. It's so different community spirit when there's a when the Bengals are playing good, 
Holt's packed. People are talking about it. The, that's the stories I hear about the 81 championship season yeah. are like that. Um, so I, it's weird transitioning away from talking about that game. Like oh, we man. said, Sad could talk game. about it for the rest for the rest of the night, but we're already almost an hour into this thing. We're going long tonight. Um, but So now, guys, like we said before, suddenly Idaho State went from the bottom, bottom of the conference, one struggle win against uh, – what was it, Cal Poly last year? Suddenly, the Bengals are 2-1 and one right now in conference play and are ranked number 6th in the Big Sky, tied with Portland State and Sacramento State. Against good teams. Against good teams. So we have that two-touchdown win against Northern Colorado, a close quality loss against Montana in Missoula for homecoming, yep. and we just beat top 25 Eastern Washington coming back from 41-14. Yeah. I mean, that that's a huge improvement. But... Um, so that that is just a complete turnaround from where we were at a year ago. And I told Gage this before. The Bengals this year is how our rebuild was supposed to look last year. Yeah. And in many ways, like if this rebuild like the rebuild started years and years ago, it just didn't get any momentum until now. But mm-hmm. uh, I would have been happy with this progress in the second year of Coach Hawkins tenure. Like uh the first year was a throwaway, the second year I think for rebuilds is where you kind of really see the culture build and you get a couple of wins, you get competitive. Um, so I think this has bode well for our, our progress in building a program um, that plays competitive football and that can win football games um, and be a uh, a bright spot for our university and our city. So the fact that we're already at this point in year one, well, year one half. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. I would I would say the culture has changed significantly around around, you know, ISU football as a whole. You yeah. know, everyone everyone's digging the new coaching style. Uh Cody Hawkins, you know, everyone knows this. He came in, he didn't say we're gonna get wins, but we're gonna change the culture, we're gonna build up a team, mm-hmm. you know. He does it for the players. Well, it's he's, his yeah. own family. He's promised a team that's at the very least fun to watch. Before yeah. we can be competitive, we've got to be We've got to at least have an identity, yeah. and we have that with the throwing Idahoans. Yeah. Yeah. Idahoans Idaho are back. And he also he promised that the players were going to play and not not just go out there and play football, but actually have fun. I don't remember the last P-L-A-Y. time Cody Hawkins said that he was going to cut half the team and take away their scholarships. <laughs> hey, we don't talk about the old guy anymore. <laughs> we, don't, we don't go. We don't talk about that. But it is I, so, I so crazy. It is so crazy where we're at now compared to where we were. Best so, teams coach in the country. So we guys, we've <laughs> how's Arizona State doing? Special yeah, teams Arizona guru, State. guys. We've Arizona. talked about it uh, off the show and throughout the last. We've talked about, I mean, the last two days nonstop, essentially. Idaho State, like I said two and one in the conference. We're two and four overall. Still mathematically alive for not only the FCS playoffs but the Big Sky Championship. Oh, it's well, in the picture. It Trust is, me, it is not not. So not I'm happening. not I'm I'm not that bought in yet. <laughs> um, there's a there's a lot of work to get there. Don't get me wrong. I, but here's the schedule for for the last five weeks of this thing. We're playing Portland State on Saturday. We're playing Sacramento State on October 28th. Then we go back home. We're playing Weber State, a Weber State team, by the way, that is currently they're getting votes. They're sitting at. One in three in the conference, three and four overall, and third to last in the Big Sky. 
looking quite beatable Cra- at the moment. Crazy, though, that they're still getting votes. More votes than ISU. For... Uh, for the top 25. For coach, yeah. coach's yeah. poll and uh, stats performance. That's yeah. got to be like some East Coast beat writer who just doesn't. Who just saw the name and was like, oh, Weber's probably like good. Weber. So you have that game. Then we play UC Davis in the Hawkins Bowl on November 11th, last Hawkins home game. Bowl. Then we travel up to Moscow and play Idaho, who just got their butts kicked for three quarters by Montana yeah. before scoring a couple of touchdowns and almost coming back. I can't wait for Daddy Hawkins versus Father Hawkins. <laughs> so we have this this schedule, and, and guys, it, it sounds a little bit crazy to say, and maybe this is just the hype from the Eastern game talking, I don't hate the last five weeks of this schedule. I think we could possibly, and, you know, diehard Bengals fan, but I think we could— Come out with five wins, maybe even six wins. <laughs> that is insane. That That's is insane talk. You know, well, but we've seen this. You know, Gardner. I think I think the chances of that happening are probably about the chances, uh, same as the chances of coming back from forty-one to we, fourteen. To be fair, like I I do see, we do play in all reality two top five FCS teams to finish out the year. Yeah. So I do see at least one loss coming. So at that time. so. Yeah. That's at least one loss. That's a bold you guys statement. At most one loss. Is this your first time on the show? Because as as um, optimistic as Gage and I are, we've never said anything as crazy as what you're saying now. And the craziest part about it, I can't even disagree with it that much. <laughs> so I, I want to be honest. I'm going to draw a line in here and say I do disagree. Hear me out. Hear I, me out. I have, been, I have been banging the temper expectations drum since San Diego State. I so, mean, I don't think... We we obviously it's a great win and we need to enjoy the wins where they come, but we can't put unrealistic or unreal unreasonable expectations on these students and players who really are <laughs> still trying to figure out. <laughs> hey, fair enough. Hey, and that's how you guys. I, I honestly I I want to feel that way. I want to feel like this team could go out on a run, but at the same time, I don't want the. The rea- I don't want the narrative around this team to be, oh, we fell short of being a playoff team. This guy is actually wearing Vandal colors right now. <laughs> <He's> saying, <laughs> he, he is wearing black and yellow. First off, that's brown <laughs> and more brown. <laughs> so, so you have these last few games. And so at the start of the season, I predicted the Bengals would get three wins this year, which was a little bit of—I didn't know what to make of Cody Hawkins yet. It was a little bit hard to see what was going on. Three wins looks quite doable now that we have two. Um, and so you have— Probably like Portland State is the most winnable game on the schedule for the Bengals. Weber, oddly enough, looking like the second most winnable game, just based off of schedule and records. Then maybe UC Davis, Sacramento, and then Idaho is probably the toughest opponent left on the schedule. Um, But I I can definitely see at least one more win. Get lucky. Things go away. Two to three more wins. It's it's crazy to think that, that that's possible. And we don't even... Don't even have to have to debate whether or not Franklin's right about about us getting getting five more wins on the schedule. Just seven f- wins. <laughs> seven wins in a five game schedule. We actually are going to win the FCS national. Oh, you're right. You're right. The, the craziest seven part about total, that is going to be a five zero run. Then we're going to go win four games in a row in the playoff. It's going to be fantastic. The craziest guys. part about that it. is that Franklin said it, and it's. A legitimate possibility is it, it is mathematically possible for us to make the playoffs still this year. You know, ten, uh, yeah. one times ten to the negative fifty-two is considered mathematically impossible. So, well, 
I mean, fourteen forty one. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> we we yeah. have seen teams go six and five and get into the playoffs before. Last yeah. year, Gardner well, Webb did it, and they started out one and four. At this and point, here's the thing: it's gonna be the big the big thing. We'll be getting those top top yeah. twenty five wins. So if we can get those and finish around uh, you know six and five, or even around five hundred, and the and the the selection committee will look at it and say, hey, they played two. Uh, two tough games against FBS opponents. They played well in one of them. Um, they have wins against uh, top 25 teams. They have close losses, quality losses, against more two other top 25 teams. Uh, this is a team that had the toughest schedule in the FCS to start the year. And to be able to go and, and, and win a couple of those, it is definitely possible that that happens. However, I would like to reiterate. It's also possible we don't win another game. It's possible we don't win another game. I think, realistically, we have to be content with trusting the process and not the results. At this point, I'm already satisfied with where we're at because, like I said, we doubled our win total. I already felt better about this team than I did last year before we got a win. Um, And and Cody Hawkins is such a, a good presence so far. Everything I... Haven't disagreed with a thing Cody Hawkins has said so far. Uh, so just just having him as the head coach, the results are showing up on the field now. They were already, and now we're actually we have two wins, which might not sound like much for some other programs, but for us that's big, uh, especially the way we got them. The results were already showing up, and now we have games to prove that hey, we're not the same Idaho State team we were. And even if we don't win some of those games. It's still not going to be easy. We're still going to put throw for 400 yards. We're going to put up 60 pass attempts on you. So, and honestly, I mean, looking at some of those games, uh, if we were to play Northern Colorado again right now, I mean, just like later on in the season, you clearly seen our team mesh more. Uh, same with uh, Northern Iowa. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if Idaho State played them again, it definitely would not be as big of a blowout. Uh, yeah. Um, and then looking at Utah State, I mean, San Diego State really, that kickoff to the year with, uh, well, Hunter Hayes said it perfectly back in the podcast when he was on here. Uh, you know, at no point during the San Diego State game did they think they lost. we're going to lose. Yeah. Um, and that's something I do have to, I have to say, I think the players and on this team probably think the way you guys do is that this could be a playoff team. We just have to go win these games. So well, I think you guys probably have the same mindset that the players do. I just don't want I don't want to buy in. I, in the, maybe in the, I, maybe well, I don't want to believe. That, I don't know. that showed in the post-game conference against Montana where they said we should have won that game even though they never led in that game. And they're like, we still should have won that game. That mm-hmm. showed in the post-game press conference after this where they said – I don't. I don't know. Believe them if you want to or not. But the players said we never thought we were going to lose. Hey, we just thought what, keep grinding and we. This is what having a coach back. that believes in you does to a does to so a team. So here's <laughs> the situation, though. We we can talk about Bengals are making the playoffs. We can talk about all that beating Idaho and Weber uh, later in the season. Right now, what we have is this game against Portland State this Saturday in Hillsboro Stadium. Uh, a stadium that is 20 miles away from the campus of Portland State University and has, and has one, one, stand. one grandstand on it. Yeah. Middle school uh, stadium. Uh, a team that played a high school uh, Bishop Sycamore team yeah. uh, to get a 91-0 to zero win, Big Sky scoring record. Although. Idaho State is looking for their first road win since the spring COVID season mm, when wow. we beat Southern Utah in Cedar City. Um 
it's completely doable, though. Looking yeah. at Portland State, they do got a vote in the coaches' poll, a vote, mm-hmm. more than Idaho State does. Yeah. But uh, uh, they... so, so, like I said, we have not, the last two years, we've had one win. That was against UC Davis in 21 and Cal Poly in 22. Both of those games were at home. We have not won a game on the road in three years. Well, looking at the environment there, I'm not too worried about the big atmosphere. Um, but whoa, 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 whoa! Let's not give Portland State any bulletin board material anymore. Uh, but they uh, they do have a very good offense. They do have the seventh highest scoring offense in the entire FCS, which again is a little bit. Inflated. Uh, inflated by that outlier game against North American, ninety-one yep. zero. I'm sorry. Down. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be serious. Taken down a little bit by the Oregon game. That's also true. So it it averages out. But, so so Portland State has been kind of a weird team. Bit hard to to know what to make of them through the first few weeks of the season. I think at this point, what we make of them is they're a sort of middle of the big sky, middle of the pack team. They're not terrible. They're not a dumpster fire. Uh, but they're certainly not the the cream of the crop. They're not the Montanas or Montana States or Idaho's of the world. So you have that week one game against Oregon where they go to Eugene and go down 81-7. Uh, the Viking ship has sunk at that point. They go over <laughs> to Laramie, Wyoming to take on the Pokes and lose that one 31-17, which is an oddly close game after losing by 70 points against Oregon. Especially to a very good Wyoming yeah, team Wyoming's this year. Wyoming's looking very good this year. Yeah, is those are our Mountain West fans Mountain here. West, uh, Mountain West Championship? Uh, Air Force, <laughs> Air Force, Wyoming? Or what? Air Force, Boise State, baby. <laughs> <laughs> still hope, still hope. Good luck with that. Hope. Well, hopefully, uh, if Boise State's in the championship, they're not ahead by 20 with four minutes left, because then they're losing. <laughs> So, after that Wyoming game, Portland State is in Hillsborough Stadium to take on a school that doesn't exist. Uh, they lose ni- they win 91-0 to zero that game. And like I said, when it happened, I said, why didn't they go for 100? If you're going to drop 91 on someone, why not score tw- two more times and go triple digits? I don't no, get it. No shade at North American University, but they did play a team that's I'm pretty sure is in an old hotel um, yes. And, hey, again, and that's, Bed Bath and Beyond. This is not a statement on North American. This is a statement on Portland State. Yeah, and that's, North that reflects American. poorly on the Vikings. Um, so then Portland State beats Cal Poly fifty nine twenty one in a blowout game against generally considered to be the worst team in the conference. They, they, they do have a few ones. So crazy. I think it was on the drive to. I was driving somewhere and I, f- I saw a Cal Poly bumper sticker on the back of someone's truck. That's wild. That is crazy to me. No, Cal- no Cal Poly fans exist. I refuse uh, to believe. Uh, not in Idaho. The Chargers of Cal- <laughs> college football in California. <laughs> exactly. So so there's that game. It's We get two wins and suddenly we're talking mad trash on the Big Sky teams, guys. We got to dial it back. Uh, so they, there's that game. Then Portland State goes up to, to Bozeman, Montana, loses to the Bobcats 38-22. In a game that was not quite as close as the score indicated, uh, they only score 14 points in the first half, and then they score eight in the fourth quarter. Um, so they they lose that game. Not garbage time. It, the scoreboard looks eh, but certainly not the closest of games. They get this this uh, 24 point win over Northern Arizona last Saturday. I would say Northern Arizona is also a good team to gauge it on for the middle of the pack. Northern Arizona is weird this year because yeah. they they beat Montana. They mm-hmm. they've been playing like good most of the year. Didn't they beat Sac State as well? They 
Uh, I think they they uh, they lost a close game to Sac State. Let me double check these things. Sorry guys, we are not Northern Arizona fans. So they they lose to Utah Tech, who's not good. They beat mm-hmm. Montana by two scores, and that's the game that gave us confidence heading into Missoula. They they lose to Sac State by eleven. They they beat Weber by seventeen. Wow, Sac um, State by one. Yeah, they yeah, and so one. they roll Northern Arizona in Flagstaff in the Sky Dome. Um, and so Portland State, I don't know. I don't know what to make of them. And I think this was kind of my my opinion. They have um, the Big coming, Sky player, Offensive Player of the Week this year. Yeah, this, this was my kind of opinion on Eastern Washington coming into the game. Um, was that I don't really know what this team is, and and you know I don't I don't watch a ton of uh, FCS football outside of Idaho State, um, but I, Portland State's just a weird team this year. So Dante Chiri, uh, I'm gonna butcher his name, but Dante Chichir, Chichir, we're saying Chichir, uh, goes 14 for 19 in this game, 159 yards, five touchdowns, has 80 something yards on the ground, one touchdown, six total touchdowns, gets named the Big Sky Offensive Player of the Week. This is a running team, I'd say, and and I think the mo the majority of that running kind of goes through, not the majority, but a lot of it goes through their quarterback. Um, I think they they benefited from some maybe some field position here and there, but not a ton of passing yards. They no. they definitely uh, their passing touchdowns is a bit inflated as well. I mean, if I remember correctly, I think they have eleven. Their quarterback has eleven passing touchdowns to three interceptions. Uh, that kind of gives a picture that they're a passing team, but they really only pass when they are in scoring position, and I think that's a uh, kind of. Is a mis like it? It leads people to believe that their pass is what they need to focus on, but mm-hmm. in reality, they do run and they run a mm-hmm. lot. They're the seventh highest uh, uh, rushing team. Like they have the seventh most rushing yards out of all uh, FCS football right now. So, um, something that ISU's got to look out. That's for. the yeah. intriguing part about this matchup because ISU doesn't have a solid pass defense. Eastern put up forty-one points. Through most mostly through the air. Yeah. So, and I think that's uh, you know a lot of the rushing yards. It looks like you know just watching the game against NAU and a little bit more of the of the Portland State offense. They're running a lot out of RPOs, out of the pistol formation. So it kind of gives them that flexibility where you know their their quarterback is still it's he you know he's off center. Um, he's in the he's in the backfield. He can he can make reads on defenders. And decide, hey, is there is there a matchup I like out there? Is there um, a defensive player who's playing too aggressively, who's crashing in on his blocks or crashing in when he's rushing me? Um, am I able to bounce this outside? Can I hand it off? Um, can I throw a route over the middle of the field because the middle linebacker cheats up? So I think that's a lot of what they're going to do. Um, I think ISU is put at a disadvantage by their base defense. Um because they have five defensive backs on the field for most of the game, that means they have a one less defender in the box to defend against that. Um, and I think a lot of their success defensively will be able to be will will come from if they are able to play well, if they can play disciplined, uh, make sure your edge defenders are staying in their lanes. Make sure you don't have linebackers trying to cheat up and play the run when you know that this guy can pass when he needs to, when he sees a favorable matchup or he makes a read. Um, and then um, having a nickel who's uh, who can make that make those athletic plays, um, can spy the quarterback who's going to be you know athletic uh, and just 
it's it's a lot to ask of your defense when a team can run RPO um, and really any option very very well because it it's very difficult to defend because you have to have very intelligent players. Yeah, and so one of the things I wonder about this is because Portland State has more of that RPO, more of that running, and that's going to be interesting to see Idaho State defend. How's Portland State? How's Portland State going to defend against this this passing identity from Idaho State? The thrown Idahoans. This is an entirely unique offense to the Big Sky. There's not another team out there that that plays quite like this. I don't know. I think I think it's definitely going to be an offensive battle for most of the game, uh, just because. They're a really high-scoring team, you know. They don't really have a pass, like a, a really solid passing defense. So I think I think it'll run up the score pretty high. Yeah, I mean, credit to Portland State outside of that game against Oregon. They're still able to put up points in these games. Uh, the 45 against Northern Arizona, 22 against Montana State, 59 against Cal Poly, 91 against North American, uh, even still 17 against Wyoming. So their offense, I don't, I think their offense is going to perform oh, well. Like yeah. you said, it's forty point two points per game for uh, uh, Portland State there, but you insane know, number. It forty is, points a game is insane. It's it's pretty crazy. Well, that was our first forty point game this season against Eastern. Yeah, uh, though Idaho State also has a you know. Action-packed offense that can you know pack a good punch as well. Yeah, I mean the the we may not have the same like conversion rates uh, getting you know in the red zone, but we do have a very efficient offense. Twenty eighth in the country allows us to move the ball downfield fairly quick. I mean, uh, though turnovers have kind of bit us in the rear. I mean Jordan Cooks eleven and eleven. Uh, yeah. 11. A lot of that's kind of growing pains, freshman quarterback. He's been getting better. But at the same time, you put up enough points and you put up enough offense to where you you, you don't want interceptions or turnovers, but you kind of expect them as sort of a byproduct, and it's you can kind of make up for those. Well, yeah. and that's the thing. When you throw the ball 55 times in a game or 60 times in a game, you expect there are going to be bad throws. There, It's inevitable. No quarterback plays a 100% perfect game. Um, and so I think that's kind of par- partly the des- the reason why the offense is designed the way it is, is to overcome those mistakes. So when you have someone out, you know, you give up a possession here, um, but you may give up one possession, but you're able to get the ball down the field insanely quick. And you can have, you know, uh, a multiple touchdown comeback in one quarter because you're your offense can move the ball very quickly down the field. Yeah, you so, can wait until a minute left in the third to start scoring points. Not recommended, but <laughs> definitely possible, you know? So uh, it's it's getting hot in here. It's late. Uh, let's wrap this thing up. Anything else you guys you guys have observations about Portland State before we get into some score predictions? Um, Just that, you know, Idaho State struggles against the run generally, though we did bottle up Montana pretty good, and they're a pretty run-heavy offense. They have, I'd say yeah. they're pretty balanced, but they definitely have a— Decent reliance on the run. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's unfortunately um, what Portland State does well offensively, we don't do well defensively, which is what uh, Mr. Kyler Neal said about Eastern Washington uh, when we asked him for his preview. So it'll it'll definitely be an interesting matchup to watch. Um, Funny enough, uh, Idaho State, I know you guys mentioned that Eastern Washington has pretty poor run defense. 
Uh, Idaho State actually is a little bit worse than them. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we we did have a a bit more balanced rushing attack, I'd say, against yeah, Eastern. We, well, it's it we was. Did, I did think it was going to be a rushing game in the first quarter. I saw a lot more runs. Yeah, it was it was definitely. Uh, I think Soja Gasu had Soldier Gasu is oh. He, he had the best. He had the best game for a running back ISU has had all season. He only ran for eighty two yards. Uh, I think less than that, seventy two. Uh, but my, he looked. My bad. He, there was a couple runs there. He looked like a super soldier, <laughs> running, yeah, going absolutely. through guys. It was like a thirty eight yard run. Was yeah. his best. Well, yeah. I think once you finally get people to respect your passing offense and how many times you're going to throw this ball, it gets defenders to play on their heels a little bit. Try not to let that big play open up in the secondary. And and that's when a running back really thrives in this system. And that's why, you know, you get coaches who say, hey, don't don't discount our running backs in the spread or in a West Coast because of the fact that there there's gonna time ta- there's gonna be a time when your defense is playing to to stop the pass way too much. They're they've got extra DBs in. They don't have as many linemen or linebackers. And that's when you can have those big, you know, big run plays, big touchdowns. Um, and so there are going to be days when your running back is going to have a great game, but there are also going to be days when you know you kind of supplant the running game with uh, short bubble screens, or you know, yeah, like tight end screens or just those short little hook routes, uh, or maybe you know a two hundred yard game from Chaden James, you know. Yeah. So yeah, you know, well, those just happen all the time. Getting into the score predictions, uh, Brendan Franklin, you guys are our guests, uh, so we do our score predictions every week. They don't. We haven't really been keeping track of them too much. I guess we could go back and listen to them. I don't think I have a very good record because I pick ISU every week. I think the vibe. Except the last week. Except last week. I picked Eastern to win, and look what happened. Uh, Gage picks against ISU basically every week, um, except I think against NoCo. Um, so if you guys are if you guys want to go first, you're the guests. So go ahead and take a, give us your score predictions if you wish. Uh, so for this week, I got uh, you know it's going to be an offensive shootout like we said earlier. I think. Uh, it's going to be a very high-caliber, fast-paced game with a lot of running for Portland State and a lot of throwing for Idaho State. But that throwing, uh, the throwing Idahoans, gives uh, us a little bit of advantage uh, here in Idaho. Uh, we can move the ball down quicker quicker than the, they can. We saw that last week with against Eastern Washington. We were able to move that ball really efficiently in that fourth quarter. Uh, I think Idaho State ekes them out in an offensive battle, 49-42. to 42. Idaho State. Frank, yeah. I had a similar idea, you know, their run defense is crazy. Uh, uh, our passing offense looks like we can beat their run, uh, beat their defense, and I just think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Probably, uh, ISU's going to drop a lot of points. I don't know. Uh, basically, my guess is 54-48. ISU wins. Uh, you can't you can't bet against Jordan Cook. <laughs> And Hunter Hayes, the Hayes train, bro. That's a lot of points. That's more points than uh, Portland State scored against <laughs> NAU total. So Yeah, and uh, so uh, I was going along a bit similar lines. I don't know what the weather is looking like for this game. I know there's been some rainy games in Portland before. I think it's supposed to be decent this weekend. I could be completely wrong. I, I have to look that up. Um, but I just like to guess. I do like to just kind of say things. Which with, is really what no weathermen do. Source, anyway. I made it up. Um, so it's looking like it could be, I'm looking at the weather now actually, and it's looking like it actually does look kind of rainy, 
uh, 60, 60 something for the game. So not not too bad, I don't think. Um, but definitely maybe a little bit of weather might slow down this passing attack a little bit. I, I didn't have it quite as high, though I, I was thinking about what you, as you guys were talking, I adjusted the score and bumped it up a couple of points. But I have ISU winning this thing 35 to 32. Maybe it comes down to a field goal difference. Maybe Portland State misses, misses something. Um, I, I think it's going to be competitive. I, I don't see one team blowing the other out here. I don't see us getting yeah. blown out by Portland State. So I don't I don't see us getting blown out by any team left on our schedule. But um, as is per usual on the podcast, I have to be the voice of reason. Oh. Um, I'm picking a 38-35 game in favor of Portland State. What 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 caused you to give Portland State the edge here? What gave so, you what made you think the Vikings are getting it done this week? So again, I mean, we talked about it. Uh, Portland State does very well what we don't do very well, and that's run the football. Um, I think that they've they've got a couple of good wins, um, and you just can't pick Idaho State to win every game. Um, and I know I you haven't, haven't picked, picked Idaho State to win, to win any. any game, but I think that I just I got to give the edge, and maybe I'm just a little uh, a little pessimistic about my Bengals. Um, maybe it's the fact that we've won two games together for the last two years. And we haven't, like you said, won a road game in three. Um, that, that means we're due. That doesn't mean that we're not going to win one. That means we're due for one. And, and you may be right, but for right now, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give the edge, slight edge to Portland State, and I will be happily incorrect. All right, Gage, this is crazy. Oh, never on. bet against Daddy Hawkins. <laughs> never, right. never bet it's against. A, it's Daddy a curse, Hawkins. and once it's broken, I mean, it's over. Gage, if you, looking at the rest of this schedule, do you think ISU is gonna win another game this year? I think we're gonna beat UC Davis. You think you said that at the beginning of the season? Yes, you sir. said UC Davis was the game that we were. Father gonna Hawkins is gonna lose Bowl. to Daddy Hawkins. Is that gonna be Wait, the only game that you? That, is that is that the only game that you're gonna pick ISU to win? Uh, I think you know it might maybe maybe hey let's let's keep it a surprise. But what 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 do you mean by Father Hawkins? So is, uh, Cody Hawkins' dad is Dan Hawkins. He yeah. coaches. Hawkins. He's the head football coach at UC Davis. Oh, interesting. Uh, Cody Hawkins was the offensive coordinator at UC Davis for. A couple years, he was an assistant coach for a while, and then for the last few seasons, he was the offensive coordinator. You'll recall we beat UC Davis two years ago. Maybe you won't recall, but we did beat UC Davis at home two years ago. Um, had no business winning that game. It was our only win that season. Weren't they, like, top five? They were one of the top top uh, 15, top 10, something like that programs mm-hmm. in the nation. Not only did we beat them, we blew them out at home. Yeah, so when you guys talk about Daddy Hawkins— Father Hawkins is around. Grandfather. Let me let me just say we our history with Hawkins goes back further than your guys is. Cody Kelly, you know. Cody Cody Hawkins coached at Boise State for a season. Dan Hawkins. Oh, Dan Dan Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah. Mm. And did he he, did he go to Colorado after that or before that? Colorado after, and that's that's where the South Park. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And so I, what when Dan Hawkins did coach at Boise State, what was your guys's? Uh, we were decent. Uh, I think he was the precursor to. Chris Peterson, he left. Which Chris I mean, Peterson was his OC, and then Chris Peterson came in and took over the program. Both were also previously at UC Davis. Hey, yeah. hey, we're not here to talk about Boise State. Let's go Bengals, huh? <laughs> yeah. Go Bengals. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I go mean, Bengals. Are three and four. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs>
Wonderful. That's great. Do you do editing in your podcast as well? Uh, sometimes I'll edit out like, pauses because like we'll just stop talking for a second or I'll look something up. Uh, one time I did a lot of coffee in an episode and thought I edited it out. <laughs> I did not. So it was just me <coughs> and then clapping and then just continuing like nothing happened. That's why and I it was drink. too late. So I didn't. Well, I had a. <laughs> I do have a tickle in my throat, though. <laughs> Let me see it. 